Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. It was a grind, um, you know, internally. Uh, you know, it just didn't feel like I could kind of rear back when I needed to. And, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily hitting my spots good, but um, was getting guys out. And so, you know, sometimes that happens. So today wasn't the day when you felt good stuff? I wouldn't necessarily say I, uh, you know, had great stuff today. I thought I pitched well and, you know, that Jano called a great game, and you know my defense obviously made some huge plays for me behind. But you know, great team win overall. Now you can say that again. Five one, the Blue Jays beating the New York Yankees yesterday, taking two of three in the Bronx. It's the first series that the uh, Yankees have lost this year. So Kevin Barker on Friday, you were panicking because of the Jays' <laughs> spot in the in the standings. They're in third place. They're in third Today. place. Yeah, they they were in. Are fourth. you more excited? No. Than you were on Friday? No. Hey, I didn't even look go. at the standings. I don't even look at the standings. You don't? Well, I have to for the Blue Jays talk for the bet 365 thing. But other than that, no. I don't look at the standings. Okay. So you feel better now. Now that they're now that they're in third place, they're a better team than they were on Friday. We're all good to go. I think their lineup needs to be a little bit better. I think their rotation's starting to fall into place like we thought they were going to be to start the season. I think some guys went through some hiccups and – They've sort of figured some things out. Their lineup, do you have any idea what the bottom of their lineup's going to be? I don't. Like, there's some lefties sprinkled in there that are still trying to find their way. One of them hits cleanup a lot, right? You know, Snide's tried to move him around a little bit. I don't know if it's to take pressure off. I mean, he came on this show and said one guy's hitting a lot better than the other guy. That's basically why we're against a right-handed pitcher. We're putting Chapman in the cleanup spot instead of our show. I mean, that happened a couple of days, and then they mixed it up on – on on Sunday, and he had a home run on a 92-mile-an-hour down-and-end cutter, which is exactly what you're supposed to do in Yankee Stadium. So, yeah, look, they they did enough. This is what good teams do. They do enough. And I said this, and I'll continue to say it. It's amazing how good this team can look when their starting pitcher looks the way it's looked the last three days. And I will say this, to further my point, if I just came in here to you today and said the Blue Jays were three for 25 with runners in scoring position in Yankee Stadium. That's all I said to you. How do you think it would have went? I certainly don't think they would have taken two or three. There you go. There you go. But their starting pitching went 20 innings and only gave up a run. That's the difference, right? This is sort of what they're hanging their hat on. I still think they don't really know what they got from three on. I, I, the cleanup hitter, that really, they don't know what they're going to get consistently on an everyday basis. That's why you're seeing a mix and match and trying to line it up to, you know, and you hear John, John talk about the pockets that, you know, if they bring in this guy. I mean, if they thought these dudes were this good of hitters, they, you wouldn't have the thought process that they're having when it comes to making out four through nine. But give them credit. They win games that they're supposed to be winning because of the way the starting pitcher looks. And, that's what good teams do. They win games even if they're on the road against a good team in Yankee Stadium when everything's not clicking the way it's supposed to be clicking. That's because they're a good team. How's that? Yeah, it, it's uh, 
you know, other other than than Vladdy. I mean, Vladdy was clearly the hitting story this weekend. We'll talk about that in a minute, but we do have to focus on the starting pitching because, uh, you know, I said last week and I maintain this week. I, you know, this week will I'm I'm in on the starting pitching right now. I'll feel a little better at the end of the week once I've seen them face the White Sox and also and also the Mariners, but. Certainly the performance from Kevin Gossman yesterday, mm-hmm. 17 whiffs, 11 on a splitter. And you want to talk about his fastball velocity and his usage. Uh, and Alec Manoa on Saturday, that's the best Alec Manoa's looked all year. Seven innings pitched, two hits, five strikeouts, one Could walk. Could be better, too. And Yusei Kikuchi, six innings pitched, four hits. That was not the best Yusei Kikuchi that was we've not seen the best all year. Yusei Kikuchi. If we just saw that last year, he would have fallen off the tracks and but, went two and a third, and he did. But, uh, but I'll tell you what. The fact that John Schneider was comfortable enough giving Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo a third look at him. Ah, it's the scoreboard will tell you that. Right, they're up three instead of one. I mean, that's the difference is it's okay if you give up, uh, you know, even if both of those guys hit solo homers, you still have the lead and you go to your pen. That's the difference, right? That's early in the season as a manager. You don't want to overreact, and the scoreboard will tell you everything you need to know. That's sort of what they're trying to do here early in the season and give give you Kikuchi credit. He's given him every reason to run him back out there every single inning. He's made every adjustment that they've wanted him to make, and he's really good right now. I want to talk about Kevin Gossman and uh, Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, had some thoughts about Aaron Gossman or about uh, Kevin Gossman after yesterday's game. Lance, can you play uh, Aaron Boone's clip? Aaron, what made Gossman so tough? Uh, I mean, what he normally is, you know, the splits obviously – uh, a great pitch for him. Um, I thought he stayed a little bit unpredictable with it and, and used his fastball really well and in different counts. Um, but, yeah, we just weren't able to really solve that split today. Uh, that is very succinct. Kevin, before we take a further dive into it, I want to throw some numbers at you. Now, it's early. But... One of the things we talked about was the importance of this team getting innings out of their starting pitchers because teams that had success in the postseason last year had one thing in common. They got a ton of innings out of their starting pitchers. As I said, I think we looked at it. One through eight, those teams made the playoffs last year. The Blue Jays are currently seventh in innings from their starting pitchers, 122 and two-thirds. Getting better. Now, San Diego's 130 and two-thirds there at the top. Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're hot for a reason. Wow. Pittsburgh, 128. But the Jays' numbers of innings pitched, more than Philadelphia, more than Cleveland, more than Seattle, more than the Mets, more than Atlanta, more than the Yankees, you know, more more than Tampa. More than a lot of really, of really, really good teams. And that, I would argue that of all the numbers this early in the year for the starting pitching, that to me is the most significant number to, to stand especially out. Especially the way Manoa started his year. It, especially correct. the way Barrios has been a little up and down. Gosman had the little hiccup and his start still gave you some innings, right? There was some unknowns there. We, you know, we th- we were thinking coming into the season, what's your four or five going to give you? We didn't think four or five both were going to give just, you what they're giving you. Can I, I just want to back that up a bit too because that makes Gosman's performance yesterday. I mean, Essentially, this guy's had one bad inning this year. That bad inning against Houston, it's, and I know you. I'm not a big believer in saying, "Well, subtract that and see what the yeah, earned run either. average is." No, no. But the point is, he's had one bad inning. Yeah, he's their best pitcher. We can agree there. I, 
He's one of the best you, pitchers you, in the American League. You, you need you need, you have to have one start. Gossman, he, he, no well, question. I, I mean, it's not. I even said a that. I anymore. said that before the start oh, of no spring question. training. I ain't no, changing no my question. mind now. now. Now we did start the show with him talking about he just hasn't had the extra gear. I think for me anyway, the I, people that I've talked to and, and from what I've been seeing, he's playing possum with people. I was going to say I'm going to call a little BS on uh, that. Yeah, it's possum, right? It's it's the you you saw some 88s look like cutters to me. You saw some 91s look like had a little run to it. Looked like to me it's on purpose. You saw in some innings there when he really needed it. Third inning he needed it. Fifth inning he needed it. He had it. Like he would he if he needed ninety five, he went to it. Yeah. If he needed ninety six, he went to it. If he needed the harder split finger where it tunneled longer, it yeah. broke later, he needed it. That for me is why he'll never come out and tell you. I mean, one start in Kansas City he says too cold. Ah, uh, really? Or is it the team you're facing and you don't need ninety five all the time? Right? He's not gonna come out and tell you everything. And I just think sometimes you gotta Look at whenever he needs it. If he did, if he needed it and he couldn't go to it, and we were seeing that, Kevin, yeah. then I probably would agree with him. But talk, talk it's to okay me, to play possum occasionally. Yeah, oh, hell, absolutely. If, if I can get question. somebody out with ninety-one in movement, well, why would I need to gear it up ninety-five? You're is. right, though. He did a couple of absolutely. times. He felt like it. He felt frisky, uh, he and 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 he managed to gear it up. Talk to me about this ninety-one mile an hour pitch because you you were texting me and you you said, "Do you have any idea what that pitch is?" And yeah, I just yeah. said. To me, it's just uh, it, it's a fastball that, quote unquote, well, he, he took something he off. Can't, for for me, you can, look, you got to ask yourself: Can he merge ninety one with eighty three, eighty four, eighty five from the split finger and be okay with it? I say no. No. If it's ninety one with run, if it's ninety one with run, and then occasionally he can go away with a cutter to a righty and to because he was trying to go up and into lefties, which is glove side, and Siddle did a great job with that, talking about, you know, it's rare that he does that because he's an arm side mm-hmm. guy, right? He wants the sink on the split finger. It's easier to get it, and the misses are better, and I'd rather live to fight another day yep. by missing away with it. My misses will be bigger to be easier to do it that way than if I have Danny Jansen setting up in. And if you've noticed... Oh, Danny's made an adjustment with when he sets up. Setting up is a huge deal with Kevin because he's Much got two later. Pi- because he's got two pitches. He's later he gives now. it. He even gave the sign up when he wanted it down, yeah. and then he would spread out later. It's genius. Yeah. I mean, it sounds simple, but in the heat of the moment, you got to be on the same well, that page. Was one of, look, and for him to be able to do that and still get through some games in Yankee Stadium when you're trying to. You're trying not to show everybody your best all the time, and you can work through it with 91 with a little bit of movement. It's special. That was one of the elite stuff. That was one of the things we we talked about at the end of last year, and it wasn't. I mean, it's one of those things the Jays aren't going to come out and talk about it publicly because why attract attention to it? But one of the things that was noticeable last year, including in that playoff game, was that. Danny was sometimes giving away location no j- j- just because he was setting up early. And, Absolutely. And, it, and there was a reason he was doing that. It's because Gossman wanted him to. I mean, there's a reason they were doing it. Mm. Gossman wanted him to. Yeah. But now that he's had a year under his belt with him, uh, and, and again, for Kevin Gossman to go out of his way yesterday to talk about how good Danny was behind the plate, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really noticeable now. How much later he's setting up. It is because if you think about Kevin, the way he talked about his split finger and when we talked to him about his slider, Mm -hmm. which he didn't throw a ton of yesterday because he really didn't need it, right? It was the variance in the mile per hour and the the fastball that sort of got him through when he needed to get through certain spots. Now, when, again, he needed it, like when he was – 
needing a big out. He was married to the split finger. I'm going to yeah. give it to you. It's 84, 85. I don't think you can hit it. I'm going to throw can't. it to you four you or five hit it, times. I'm going to keep throwing it. Absolutely. So I do think that's a big deal. But for a guy to have a late target, for a dude that relies on throwing it to the glove to have it go where he wants it to go, is big time credit to Kevin. Like, yeah. it's not the easiest thing to do, right? Like, you, you you need a target. You need to be, have you something to start it at so it ends up in a certain area so and, your misses are good. You don't want to hang that split finger. If you hang it, it's a BP and, here. And, and I keep saying the combination of that, big. the combination of that and the and the pitch timer is really is really working to his benefit. It, it is, it is really working Kevin, to his benefit. By watching Kevin, would you know there's a pitch timer? No. I wouldn't either. No. That's... I wouldn't know. I would, you'd have no idea. No. Which and is kind of cool to watch, though. Well, yeah, and, and because, let me, let's face it, I think we were we were expecting there to be a, be a learning curve for him. Uh, but, like you know, he's still... Thing, you don't even know he did, that he did the six taps last year. No. You'd have no idea he, he still that. He still figured out that you can ask for another ball. He's still that's, doing that, which is okay. But I, I'm with you completely. I, I look at him, and I don't even... I don't notice... I don't notice the pitch timer. Strangely, there's two pitchers... He and Kikuchi, I don't notice the pitch timer with. And, yeah, and maybe well, I, I don't know. I Maybe that's because right from the start of the year, they've it, been sharp from the get-go. It will be interesting to see when they have a little hiccup in the playoffs. They're a playoff team, and wow. I do think they're going to be in the playoffs. It's that one inning, right? It's trying to slow it down and make that real big-time pitch you know, when another you have one. to make it. What do you do? Sunday can out. you throw over enough times? Can you step off? You're okay, you know, even taking a, a pitch time Violation Sunday after give yourself a breather. Sunday afternoons at the Rogers Center when it's 31 degrees will be interesting. It will be. That's a It'll great point too. That's too a great point. Ball's flying. You want to. You need to make that special pitch in a big time part of the game. Keep it out of the big part of the field, which is more normally what you're trying to do. I'm with you, but man, the last three games have been elite. Um, we've got to talk about Vladdy Jr. Uh, do you care if they boo him? I think it's funny. No, I think. I mean, uh, look, the it was pretty clear that. And and we do the same thing. Everybody searches for a storyline. And it was almost too perfect going into the Yankee series. You've got Manoa against Cole. And you've got the whole incident last year with Manoa hitting Judge and Cole yapping at him. Um, yeah, but Manoa came over and basically said, hey, yeah, my but, bad. Well, I mean, the point is it carried on. It carried on. And, and Manoa had some things to say about Cole. And then he doubled down on that, that thing with Serge Ibaka where he talked about him. Talked about him cheating. Um, and I, I kind of laughed because I thought, man, that shows you how young Alec Manoa is. Because if you sat me down and said, Jeff, name me 10 players who cheat in baseball, I could come up with 10 before Garrett Cole would even come out of my mouth. But anyhow, that 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 is besides the point. That's a big deal. Um, so that was played up. That angle was played up. Then, of course, Vladdy, who uh, last year said that even as a as a free agent, he wouldn't sign with the Yankees. That's his dad saying Double down on I don't know what the story. I've, I will, I'm, I'm, I'm no, thinking I, it's probably. I, I, there, is, there is a backstory there. I'm sure. It either has to do with Vladdy Sr.'s free agency, or it has to do even going farther back to something that must have happened in the Dominican Republic when Vladdy Sr. was coming up, whether... Uh, the Yankees, there was something involving a yeah. Yankee scout. They're, they're, but the bottom line is, the bottom line is that added fuel to it. And then, of course, Garrett, Cole, Garrett Cole hit Santiago Espinal with a pitch on, uh, on Saturday. The first, first batter he's hit this year, Garrett Cole, the first batter he's hit this year. And what did, what did our friend Jack Curry say? 180, 
130-odd. I mean, Vladdy was playing. Batters faced. How come you don't hit Vladdy? Yeah, you I know, know, but I'm just saying. But but anyhow, what I'm saying is there's all this stuff going on. I'm not I'm not saying he did it intentionally, but what I'm saying is there was this backdrop. And, of course, Vladdy, uh, you know, hits home runs in the first and third game of the series. Special and, stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, helps carry the Jays to victory. Could his, his, his little thing he's got going on, Vladdy? And have the same swing over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, he does elite things with his hips. You see the ball come off his bat. It's second to none. Well, and this was big Don because Stanton, I guess, is the other guy. This when was he big saw, because man, they weren't getting much offense from any place not. else. They need a guy, a guy. It's like it's like the last year, and everybody's saying, "Well, they got off to a slow start last year." I looked that up. It was one guy that got hot. That was Bo. Bo had 30 hits and made plus a little over 30 hits, and I think he had 16 RBIs. And then sort of Springer fell into place, and I think Kirky got off hot too, and he got some RBIs there. It takes one dude, and and most of the time that one dude's got to be one of your big boys. It was Bo last year. Hopefully, it's Vladdy for the Blue Jays this year. They need a guy. Bottom of their line, bottom of their lineup is going to have to figure some things out, and the manager's going to have to be real good at matching up, and that's why it puts more emphasis on the first three guys to get hot and carry the team a little bit when it comes to just the big hit, those better at bats. Right, Varsha, you can tell. Further, further to your point, uh, Bo's May last year he hit two ninety six uh, with uh, thirty two hits. There it is. 16 RBIs, I think. 16 RBIs, five was, home right? runs. There it is. June, he had 17 RBI, only and hit And then that's when Vladdy that. and I think Teoscar showed up in June and started yes. raking. Uh, but it's that one guy. Yep. It's the one superstar that gets everybody else just a little time to... <sighs> and then you go up there and you do your thing. And that's sort of... I, I don't think it's contagious, but it helps when your main guy is taking the pressure off everybody else who, quite frankly, is not run producers. It's a big deal, Jeff. So Matt Chapman hit clean up the two first two games, as John Schneider said he would in the show, and then uh, Dalton Varsha moved back into the cleanup spot. Uh, this is something I think we're going to have to get used to this year. There will be, I don't know, I wouldn't say necessarily a revolving door in the cleanup spot, but uh, I, I think John's just, John has to try searching. Yeah, exactly. It, to me, it's almost the same. as Now, the second base thing may have taken care of itself, as it Looks quite like often it. happens. Let's see what happens with Espinal. The x-rays were negative. He's he's getting further uh, a further look again. And, I mean, I guess Otto Lopez would be the guy you'd probably call up. I have up. no idea. Do you? I mean. You got wit. It, but you're going to call a guy up anyhow if, if Espinal goes on the DL. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the cleanup spot will probably. It's, it's like second base. It'll, John wants somebody to take that spot and run with it. I don't know if he has the guy to do it. But they don't have a cleanup pitter. You have to ask yourself, is it that big of a deal for a guy to go from the cleanup spot to the number five spot? Is is Dalton Varsho's no, bats gonna I, look differently hitting in the five hole instead of the four hole? I mean, I never uh, you, I never I'm not necessarily you know, you made the point. You made the point last week though about the guys hitting in front of you. And if you're Dalton Varsho, you've got Bo and Vladdy, and that, that that's a lot to live up to. Um, you know, I, I don't know, Bo, Vladdy, and Matt Chapman. I mean, does that does that give you a little free your mind a little bit? I, I don't think so. Listen, I this is the way it's going to be. The only to me, the outlier in all this, and I thought this at the start of the year, the outlier in all this is Alejandro Kirk. And I know that you don't want to go, you you don't necessarily want to go four righties at the top of the order. But my goodness, if, I'm at the point now where it's nice that you got some balance. 
But if <laughs> Kirk is your one of your better hitters, it, you put it, him in the playoffs. If my righty hitters mm-hmm. are better than my lefty hitters, screw balance. I'll bring the lefty off the bench. Right? Well, you don't have to have balance at the top of the order. No, you you want your best guys up there. Yeah, so you can let, have it let's at the see. The Kirky's at bats look a little look a little bat better. You know, let, let's keep in mind that he had a late start to spring training. He, the bat, I thought the bat he looked has, much quicker this he weekend. He has told Hazel May that the the not having a full spring training really hurt him began yeah. the season. So, so there we are. But that is the uh, the issue. Da- that- da- Dalton Varsho for me is a mechanical thing. I, I used to try and stride separate with two strikes. Uh, what your your when your bad stride separates exactly how it sounds. I want to eliminate my lower half, so I stride. I separate my hands from my bod, my front foot. And I don't want to push with my hips. I want to rotate with my hips. If I push, my barrel gets more underneath the belt buckle. And when you do, it looks sort of like Varsho looks. You're late. You miss breaking balls by a ton. You really have to have good rotation. And you have a tough time of catching up to velocity. And that's the one thing, right? If he's not going to have a leg kick, which it seems like his people around him Mm. say, you basically stink at it. You need to do do the stride separation. But if you're going to do that, you have to have great, great rotation with your hips, not a push. If you push, which means you're leading with your back hip and you're pushing it towards the positive move that you're making towards the pitcher, you're going to do bad things with your barrel. You have to rotate it. If he gets better at that, he'll hit 20 homers. If he doesn't, it's going to be up and down, up and down, and let, John Snyder's going to have to try and figure out places to put him. Let me uh, give you an idea of what we're going to be doing uh, today. Shai Davidi, MLB columnist at Sportsnet, joins us at 1035. and 11 o'clock, we will have in the East. We will uh, recap how the Blue Jays AL East rivals fared over the weekend. Short answer, really good. Uh, Jason Benetti, one of our favorites, yeah, like White Sox that. TV play-by-play and Fox Sports uh, voice will be along. The White Sox, 7-15 and 15 in the season. Yeah, they stink. Fourth in the AL Central. They're not very good. Uh, Charlie Montoyo's magic clearly not working <laughs> as a bench coach. i just throw that out there. And uh, we've also got tickets to give away <laughs> as well. How dare you? I wonder if Charlie's going to talk to the media today. He's, he's no not, chance. He's not talked to. He hasn't no talked chance. to anybody in Toronto since. I'm not going to say out loud why that is, but I, I bet you can guess. Yeah. Don't think he was happy. Huh. Well, you're good. Uh, yeah. So, again, Shai joins us in a few minutes. Um, I made a bunch of notes about stuff to talk about that was just kind of flowing out the window. Uh, but I, I want to throw this out there. Danny Jansen at a pinch hit home run, first by a Blue Jays hitter since Rowdy Tellez in 2019. Shout out to uh, was well, a terrible the Jays pitch, PR department. It's a terrible pitch. It's a, ter- it's a atrocious pitch for a guy that's pinch hitting that you know is a dead pull hitter, and you throw a changeup. Now I get it, that's his pitch, but still, not a. I, I have to say this. I can go the not other. Not a great, not a great matchup. Wandy Peralta versus Danny Jansen. Uh, Wandy Peralta's pretty good though. You, you're taking your chances, but you know, give Snyder credit for bringing Danny off the bench, and give Danny credit for getting it ready. You got to get it ready. You got to think out front. Change your plate. Other than that, coming yeah. off the bench. Other than that, I mean, I'll be tardy. It was not the not the greatest game in Blue Jays history. Kirk uh, dropped the pop up, had a couple of stolen bases off him. Top of the ninth, 2-2, Whit Merrifield singled. Kevin B- and this drives me around to Ben. I, Kevin Biggio couldn't get a bunt down. Springer hits into a double play inning over. I, I cannot stress this enough. I, I, I'm not turning this into pile on to Kevin Biggio, but I'm running, I'm running out of reasons to think, to see why he has a spot in this team. 
Well, we know why he has a spot on this team. Yeah, we've but, said it more than one time. Okay, but sooner than later he sooner will have to later. be putting up. Like I mean, it's, it's come on, uh, right? And he knows that. He understands that. You can see it in his face. Like I've been there. I know the look. You know the look. But Kevin, you've seen the look, Kevin. He knows that. It's not his. Again, it's not his fault. He's on this team. So I think we got to stop beating that horse. It's not his fault. But there will be a time where it's performance driven and. He will have to start having better at bats and I doing big things is, in big situations, even if it is a bunt. It seems performance driven for everybody else. Well, I mean, you could you could make the argument where he is the twenty fifth, twenty sixth guy, and they're twenty fifth, twenty sixth guy and hitting eighth and ninth in the order for a reason. You can't argue that. But I'm with you. You don't 100%. think you can do better? I'm not making excuses. Oh, do better. How? Otto Lopez. Otto Lopez even play if he came up, or be sitting over there and it's an emergency no, I, I, situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just saying what what use is Kevin Bidge? He's left-handed. Well, Jesus, and he can give a, uh, he can give a George Springer a day off. He can give a Varsho a day off because they have to give Kiermaier off. So they put Varsho there. You're putting Witt and left. You put him at second. Well, you asked me a question. I gave you an answer, but it is performance driven here. That's right. what I said. What what do you expect from Kevin? Uh, I mean, I, I expect something. I expect, some, I, I expect some contribution. Yeah, I certainly expect it. If I come in, if I'm Kevin Biggio and I'm telling the manager that I, I, I realize now that I am going to be a guy who has to play every day. What's he going to tell the manager? Well, yeah, you know what? Then what I'm also doing, I'm learning how to get a freaking bunt I'm down. I'm sure he's practiced that. Did not look good. Well, yeah. He hasn't looked good since he's been in the big leagues this year. Uh, <clears throat> Jordan anyway. Romano brought in a tied game. Uh, I don't know. The slider. When it's 12-6, it's not great. I'm still not a fan of bringing the closer in in a tie game, but, I mean, you're on the road. You've got, you're, you've got the extra inning thing, I, I guess. Um, did you have a problem with the, the pitch from, from Jimmy Garcia to uh, Volpe, the bottom of the eighth, the home run? No. Well, it's, it's the, he throws the kitchen sink. He's the kitchen sink guy. You're going to get the kitchen sink. It's Again, what have I been saying to you all season? What do they need? They need a legit eighth-inning guy that can come in and throw to the top of the order. They ain't got that for me. They got a couple of hybrid guys. Either you want to you go deeper, win a World Series, you better get yourself an eighth-inning guy. And you see that? You're not, again, you, I said this. The bullpen's good enough to help them get to the playoffs. But it's when you're facing elite teams and you're trying to match up all the time to the top of the order. If you're John Snyder, it's not fair. Manager's just not capable of doing that all the time. Uh, let me give you a rundown of the Jays this week. They are at home. Uh, they will take on the White Sox in the first of a three-game series tonight at the Rogers Center, 707 on Sportsnet, 590 the fan and Sportsnet. Chris Bassett against Lance Lynn. Tuesday will be Jose Barrios against Mike Clevenger. Wednesday, as you say, Kikuchi against Michael Kopech. A reminder that Wednesday is a 107 a 107 first pitch on Wednesday. The Jays will have the day off, and then they will welcome Teoscar Hernandez and the Seattle Mariners to town I'm for a weekend for series. Five out of six. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I mean, I we'll talk to Jason about this, but I didn't. I know you. You were a little more in on the White Sox than I was start of the year, but I that, think talent wise, it's hard to have back to back bad years. That's they don't, they don't I, look I, great. I was about to say seven and 15. I got good talent. That's done. Their talents there. It's just um, health. And I mean, the, the adjustments that they don't make, it's not good. No, 
No. And uh, I guess the good news this week is, and we should have mentioned this last week, shout out to Liam Hendricks. Uh, uh, he's finished his uh, chemo. Him. And uh, he w- their White Sox are looking forward to getting him back at some Baseball point. Baseball should be. Yeah. Baseball yeah. needs him. So that was a great. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That was absolutely great news. Thanks for bringing that up. That's great news good. for the Whites. I meant to bring it up last week and, you know. What's well, a good time? They're playing the White Sox. Sometimes stuff uh, slips through the cracks. I think you yelled at me too. Probably that was the day. That could have been the day that I yelled at you. Yes. We've got Jay's tickets to give away. And when, but when we come back, Shai Davidi joins us. It's Blair and Barker, the non-yelling edition of Blair and Barker. Because I got upbraided for it by a couple of people. Who? Oh. A couple of people said, you, you I'll speak for myself. You tell those people to settle. Yeah, I'm a big guy. Yeah, I know you are. Yeah. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Honest to God, there are times where I think I can read your mind, which is really scary. scary eh? Yeah, it's scary. Scary. This is scary. I didn't realize that you had those two things written down in the sheet together. Right there. I, I did this yesterday. Yeah, I know. When I was hanging out, not doing anything. The first thing I wrote down. Uh, we got Jay's tickets to give away later on in the show. Hey, I need to. I need to. And- uh, to see, oh, and these are oh, these are to see the Jays and the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I said earlier before we left to go Jays on the break. Yes. Of of Danny Jansen needs to change the plate, huh? and I, I want to say what that means. Okay. A guy's a pull hitter. A guy in John Snyder brings you off the bench to do one thing: to drive a baseball. He's not telling you to go hit a fourteen hopper in right field. He ain't doing that. Changing the plate means for you to be on time because you've been sitting over there for a while is to think of an imaginary plate out in front of the original plate. So I wanted to clear that up by mm-hmm. whenever you hear me say change the plate, that's what I'm telling is especially I used to try and pinch it. It's hard, but you need to sim- you need to make that as simple as possible. And all I'm thinking about is the original plate, an imaginary plate out in front. I want to make contact with the the imaginary plate out front. If I can do that, I'm thinking to myself, everything will be on time. Because you got to figure sitting over there, something's going to be late. Whether it's your hands, your lower half, your hip rotation, something. So if you just simplify it enough to think out in front of that plate, give yourself at least a decent chance of having a good at bat. So I wanted to clear that up. There you go. Hope that helps. It did. Okay. Hmm. Okay, move on. I will. Thank Shai Davidi's MLB columnist with Sportsnet. He joins us in Blair and Barker. Hello, Mr. Davidi. Shai. Good morning, guys. Uh, so your article on Alec Manoa's mechanics uh, certainly rang true. Uh, and I'm wondering, based on what you saw of him on Saturday, I, it seemed as if, and based on what he said at postgame as well, it seemed as if he checked most of the, most of the boxes uh, that he had in mind in terms of his mechanics. Yeah, it certainly looked that way, and I think the proof was in not solely in the results. I don't think it's always fair to – obviously, we, we, the results are what ultimately matters, but sometimes you do have to delve a bit with the process. And I, I just thought from a stuff perspective, it was probably the best we've seen him both locating and 
just using it in terms of movement and able to just keep Yankee hitters off balance. I thought there was a good balance between the, the four seamer, the sinker, the slider was probably the best we've seen it this season. So I think from that standpoint, from a process standpoint, you saw a lot of the things that he wanted to accomplish. And, you know, when I was talking to him for that piece, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, once he, the frustration over what had happened in that raise outing had ebbed a little bit and he was looking at it from a bit more of a rational standpoint, you know, he felt that there were some good things in that race start, you know, results aside. And a lot of that seemed to translate into that outing against the Yankees. Yeah. And the other thing that really stood out to me, and I, I know that John Schneider talked about this after the game as well, um, the efficiency we saw from him, 85 pitches, I think, through seven innings. He got some quick outs uh, with that, that sinker you know, against, against a team that, was was fairly aggressive uh i think i think in a lot of ways that it it really was his best stuff of the year i and never mind just the best outing of the year the stuff just looked good it looked it looked like mid-season alec manoa to me yeah exactly and you know further to that I, i think an element that's in there as well is that when he isn't on the mound having to worry about you know, is my front shoulder leading the way? Am I on my back hip enough? Uh, is my head aligned to the plate? It just allows him to lock into competitive mode a bit more than he had in some of those starts. So you saw him also just with a really, the, the, the typical mount presence that we typically see from him and, and some of the confidence and the the not fighting yourself. And it obviously makes sense when you're feeling good about what you're doing and you're getting some results and there's reinforcement and you're not worried about all these physical checkpoints that the mental piece is going to come in line. So that that's the other element that seemed to fall into place. Now, you know, can he repeat it next time out? Does he get consistent with it? That's really the next stage, but certainly if you might have thought the Kansas City outing was was the springboard outing, I'm not sure about that one because, again, he really didn't have his stuff in that game. This seems like it has more of the potential to be the springboard outing that allows him to get on the type of role we've seen him get on in the past. Shy, wrap a bow on this before we move on. So if somebody's watching him, is it more important to see consistent velocity or is it more important to see consistent late break on the slider? Which one's more important? Ooh, right. In a sense, one plays off the other, right? But mm-hmm. if he's if he's got the, the that late break on the slider, yep. then he can get away with a little bit more on the velocity. He doesn't have to have the velocity as much. Where, you know, if the velocity, if you can, if a hitter has the time to recognize the slider or eliminate the slider, which is what happened a little bit in some of the previous outings then every bit of the velocity matters more on the fastball. So uh, I'd probably say the slider. I think he'd say the slider too. When that pitch is going for him, then it causes the both the fastballs, both the sinker and, and the four-seamer, just play up a little bit. Is this the Barrios that we should get used to seeing every five days? <laughs> it's. I, I'm not ready to say that, okay, it's solved. And uh, even he, after talking to him after that uh, outing in Houston, I'm not sure he was ready to say, okay, that's it, I'm there. But he's got some momentum. And maybe for the first time, 
there's some some good momentum. You think that's two good outings against two really good lineups who've both been extremely hot. And he looked a lot like himself, and he didn't wilt if uh, when when an inning started to open up on him, uh, there was no no relent no relenting at all. So that's what you want to see from Barrios, but you want to see it over not just two starts. You want to see it over a month. You want to see it over a month and a half. And at that point, you know, I think we could say Barrios is back, but this is perhaps the most hopeful stretch of the season so far for Barrios and, you know, maybe dating back even to, to last September a little bit. Shy, is there one certain reason why he can self-correct quicker than he did in the past? Well, I, I, again, I'm not sure that we can say that just yet, that we're, we're seeing it consistently yet, mm-hmm. but he seems to, to know what he needs to do where, and that he's got a plan that, that he's trusting, whereas maybe in some other outings he wasn't quite trusting it. And, you know, even if you think back, uh, I think it was the Kansas City outing, uh, there was one of the outings, maybe in St. Louis, uh, no, it wasn't in Anaheim as well, where you know, he, he's going back to the dugout and he's checking the, he's checking mm-hmm. the iPad to make sure that, you know, he's, he's where he needs to be physically. And at that point, it, it seemed that he knew what he wanted to accomplish and he just wanted to understand what he wasn't doing uh, so that he could correct there. Uh, but you haven't seen that as much the past few outings that maybe there's some things that are locking in for him and uh, he's, he's more crisp there. So I, I don't necessarily know if that means that he's through it just yet. But again, I just think this is, if you're the Blue Jays, this is one of the more hopeful stretches that you've seen or more optimistic stretches that you've seen from him in a bit. Shy, do we have any idea what Vladdy is talking about when he talks about his personal reasons? for disliking the Yankees. Yeah, you know, the logical assumption is that it goes back to his dad either when his dad was a free agent or maybe, you know, maybe when his dad was in the process of signing with with the Expos. Uh, but if, do we have any I do we have any idea what is involved in that? Beyond what he's offered on it, I don't have too much beyond that. I I've heard the same speculation that you just pointed to. Uh, and it's really fascinating when you think about a player of his ilk at at his point before he signed uh, a long-term extension, essentially eliminating one of the, the top two spenders in the game, top three spenders in the game, uh, and saying, not, not going to happen. Hmm. So, uh, you know, whatever it is, it is a deep, deep rift, and he's certainly standing in conviction of it, which, you know, full power to him. And... Beyond that, I think it's great the way that he's just stepped up and said, okay, you guys want to boo me? You don't like it? Here, I'm going to show you what you're missing out on. And you think about the three-homer game that he had there last year, too. Like he's had some big moments at Yankee Stadium already. And you know this, this weekend, he had to come in and defend it, and he came out hot and delivered two key hits that were pivotal in, in a pair of Blue Jays wins. So, so good on him with that one. I know that uh, Hector Gomez, a reporter in the Dominican Republic, uh, sent out a tweet. Uh, this is just a couple of months ago. And this is Vladdy Sr. talking. And this is when Vladdy Jr. had made the comments that he would never sign with the Yankees the first time. Quote, this is from Hector Gomez. I told him not to say that because he doesn't know if that is the team that is going to give him the money. 
So that certainly adds another layer of, uh, of, of, of interest to this. And, and look, I, I'm not doubting Vladdy, but he wouldn't be the first guy to end up going someplace where he said he'd never go. The, the thing I find interesting, well, first of all, you don't have to worry about this for another three years. But the thing I really do find interesting about it, though, is the way he delivered. Like, it wasn't said in jest. You know what I mean? Sometimes a guy will say something, you kind of go, okay, he's kind of saying in jest. And I mean, maybe he sort he, of brought it up. He, yeah, maybe he's got the greatest yeah. deadpan face in, in the history of whatever of deadpan faces shot. But I, I got the impression he really believed it. Yeah, I mean that, that that's not right? deadpan for for him, right? Yeah, he he doesn't make comments like that. He's actually he's also as much as he's he's young and all these things. He's actually pretty savvy, right? Sure, he is. He, he doesn't say anything that he doesn't mean, and he understands what he says, how it's going to play, and what it's going to accomplish. So I don't think it's an accident that, that he said any of that. I don't think he's the type to say something off the cuff without thinking about it and then having it spin out of control. He's he's much smarter than that. So I, I think he says what he means, and I, that does not surprise me. And, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's an, any deadpan there or a, a wink or, or something that beyond that, like, he, he feels it, and uh, he owns it. Shy, other than the first three guys in the lineup, do you think they're happy with the way four through nine has been looking, I don't know, say the last week? You know, Chapman uh, is, was due to, I mean, he wasn't going to bat like 500 for him no. forever. So, but, like, I mean, he's still murdering the ball, and uh, he's, been, he's been unreal. And I think they've gotten some, some nice contributions uh, for those for, from those guys in different spots at different points in time, right? You think about even the Saturday game, you know, when they tie that up, that's from that was the bottom half that they got it done that day, and that, that set them up for for that rally. Or you know, the game in Houston that got away was the you know the bottom half that uh, that put together uh, the rally that allowed them to have the bases loaded there and, and get within that game where uh, the Houston ended up opening up in the bottom of the eighth. So. They're, they've had those kind of contributions. Do they want to see a little bit more? Would you like to see a little bit more consistency? Sure. You, you know, I thought it was interesting to hear Dalton Varsha yesterday talk a little bit about how he's trying to, to still lock in and he's not fully there yet, but he's starting to feel better. Uh, th- there's still the belief there. there's more to come from him. And and, and look, the, the Blue Jays do need some consistency from some of the other guys, you know, Alejandro Kirk was an all-star last year and his basketball skills are quite well known and, and recognized. And he hasn't had the type of run that, that he can get on yet. So uh, he's definitely somebody that, that they're still waiting on. You know, I think if you look at what Kiermaier has given this team so far, like it's been beyond what, what you could have asked for. Uh, and, you know, second base, none, none of those guys has, has locked in. Although, you know, Merrifield's had, a number of at bats that I think where you look at like, yeah, that's probably what you want from him and just want a little bit more in the, from a results perspective. So, you know, is it fully, fully locked in? Probably not quite, uh, but I'm not sure that you're going to get white hot stretches from, from too many of those guys. And it's about just consistent, some sort of consistent contribution at where, you know, it's a hit here, a hit there. It's, it's a key moving a runner over at a key time. And that's, that's part of the contributions that you're getting part of the trade-off that in a sense, they were looking for this off season. 
Shy, we're going to let you run. Really good of you to do Great this, stuff, man. Buddy. We'll see Thanks. you tonight. See you at the yard. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. See you Thanks. Soon. Shy Davides, RMLB Insider at Sportsnet. You can, of course, read his articles on sportsnet.ca. Uh, mentioned as well that Santiago Espinal had x-rays on his bruised right wrist. They were negative. Uh, he was hit by a 98-mile-an-hour fastball Oof. from Garrett Cole Saturday. We'll get another update on our understanding is the Jays were um, he was going to see see somebody in Toronto today. So we'll, maybe we'll, <clears throat> we'll get some news about that before the game. Got to talk to you about Aaron Judge, Kevin. Um, I asked you about this on Blue Jays Talk. And by the way, Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays Talk following uh, each game this week, Monday through Friday. So please join us after the uh, conclusion of, of the Jays games. Uh, Aaron Judge having difficulties against left-handed pitching this year. Um, Aaron Judge not having a good series against the Jays. Not looking good, all that good at the plate. What are you seeing from him? Yeah, he's three for his last 25, 11 Ks. He's only got one home run in those 25 at-bats. He's 11 for his last 51. It's not great. Now, the lefty thing, he doesn't face a ton of those. So you got to remember that, right? He's so geared up about keeping the front side in, thinking right center. You face the left, you won't get frisky. You want to open up the front side. You want to go back leg city a lot, right? You get a little bigger, so you sort of back off the, you know, he's been struggling against lefties. I take that with a grain of salt. Look, he's he's missing a bunch of dudes in that lineup, and you look at who they had at the bottom of their order yesterday, Jeff. Cabrera, Pizarra, Peraza, Higashioka, Connor Falefa. At ooze championship for you? Absolutely not. So what's that put pressure on? Volpe, Judge, Rizzo, Torres. Like there's a ton of pressure on Judge to be the man. And when he is 3 for 25 or 11 for 51, he's a big dude. We talk about this. We talk about the unicorn in L.A. There's a unicorn, too. Well, there's two of them with the Yankees who are 6'7". And trying to keep that barrel in a hitting zone, his strike zone is not at his chest. It's lower. It's at the belt. And for him to be able to get it in the zone because of the bent lower half that he has and the actual sort of, I don't want to say it's an uppercut, but it is I'm leading with the back elbow and I'm trying to get rotation more 60-40 on my back leg than 50-50. And that sometimes takes some time to work out and get a solid bat path. And when it's not, it sort of looks three for 25. There's a lot of pressure on him. I signed a big deal. He's never expected to fail. I mean, he's a human being. So, yeah, it's accumulation of a bunch of things. He's a human being. And I'm sure the numbers that he's supposed to have, because if he plays, he will have numbers. I think that's more important part of all out, out of all of this. When they're fully healthy, they're a really good team. When they're not fully healthy, you see they're just like every other team. They, they try and figure it out and – they're relying a lot more on other parts of the game that they normally wouldn't rely on. Well, Giancarlo Stanton's last game was April 15th. And I'm just looking here to see what uh, Mr. Judge has done since then. He is three for 25. Three for 25 since uh, Giancarlo Stanton was out of the lineup. Um, you know. To draw your own conclusions there. It, it is it is also early. But yeah, it's uh you look at that lineup and you realize how much Stanton's absence means. And and yeah, I, I was um I was a little surprised. I, I, I expected 
I expected a little more from the Yankees offensively this year. I really did. Yeah, ju- Judge is human. Like, I, I think people got to remember that. Like, this is what happens when you sign what you sign for. You're coming off the season he's coming off of. He's never expected to fail. Like, it's uh, people roll their eyes when I say it's a round thing with a round thing. It is. And these dudes that he's facing, I mean, the Blue Jays were throwing some dudes that were frisky at him. Like, they are trying to get him out and make the perfect pitch. And when you do that... I mean, 96 left-handed. You say Kikuchi, that's no joke. Like, he's got some hair on it, and he's doing it with some confidence, and he's locating it, and his takes are tougher. Now, give the pitcher sometimes credit. I know it's hard to do that a lot of the times, especially with these elite hitters, but every once in a while you just run into guys for a seven-day span where they just dominate you, and I think that's sort of – What's going on here? It's not who's hitting around Judge. I mean, he's an elite hitter. He's an elite offensive player. He knows what he does well. It's not about what's around him. It's just about getting a big seven foot or six foot seven frame in it a long time and timing that up. Mesh it together and it'll be what they want it to be. But right now it's sort of in between. And sometimes I think you got to tip your hat to the guy he's facing. They've been pretty good lately. Yeah, they have the uh, yeah. the Jays have done it, and the really Jays have done job. a really nice job, uh, a really nice job facing him. Got to mention this, by the way, too. We talked about Vladdy Jr. This stat just kind of astounds me. His slugging percentage is the best of any player, active player, at New Yankee Stadium. That includes Aaron Judge. You look at Judge. You look at Judge. The last three days, he he faced he faced the slider, sinker. He faced the split finger, the elevated four yeah. seamer, and he faced ninety six left handed, which rarely faces that. It's pretty elite stuff. We've got Jay's tickets to give away to see the Yankees. We've got Jason Benetti to break down the White Sox for us. And uh, when we come back, we will take our weekly trip around the AL East. Take a look at all the action this weekend. It's a tough division. Everybody's over 500. We'll talk about it. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 Defense, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. will be the first pitch tonight. The Jays open a three-game series against the Chicago White Sox. Jason Benetti will join us to look at the White Sox. Yeah, I do. Like I said, it's got the surf stuff happening. I don't know why. It just kind of reminds me. I kind of do. You picked it. I didn't pick it. It was done in cooperation. Well, you you wanted to pick something country Better than that. Okay, okay, Mr. Smartass, you pick the music then. You sit down with Lance Kennedy and come up with the music. Because there's only certain music we can pick because of CRTC regulations. So, okay, oh. smart guy, you, you pick the music. You pick the music. Huh? Oh. Lance, Don't you dare and Barker me. afterwards. Don't dare me. Pick the music. I got things to do after the show. <laughs> Maybe before the show. Tomorrow. You feel better? No, I, I just... I, the music never seemed to be an issue. Now it's an issue. Everything's an issue. We got Jays tickets to give away. There's no issue there. See the Jays and Yankees down at the Rogers Center on May 15th. We'll do that after we do our weekly review of the American League East, which we call In the East. I like this music. I do. Better. I love this. Yes. Gets me fired up. For your Orioles. My Orioles. All the Orioles had to do is get rid of Buck Showalter. That's it, huh? That's, That's all, all they had to do. That's all they needed to do. 
Hey, uh, everybody, take a look at the American League East standings. Everybody is over 500. How about that? The White Sox are seven and a half games out. They're a game over 500. They're seven to three in their last 10. The White Sox, the Red They're Sox. They're the Red Sox. I'll let it beat you. Seven to three. Everybody in this division, the, the Rays are 19 and three. Of course they are. Two of those losses to the Jays, by yeah. the way. Baltimore's 14 and seven. But here's the thing. The Rays are seven to three in their last ten. Baltimore's eight and two in their last ten. The Yankees are five and five in their last ten. The the Jays are five and five in their last ten. The Red Sox are uh, seven and three in their last ten. Everybody's everybody's playing well. And uh, well, yesterday the Boston Red Sox and Masataka Yoshida got something that uh, well you don't usually see. And as a matter of fact, has only been done I believe three other times in Red Sox history. And the 0-2. Swinging a high fly ball. That one's deep. Way back. It is gone. Into the second level. A grand slam. His second home run of the inning. The Red Sox blow it wide open. Yoshida right in the thick of it as he touches home plate. A grand slam here in Milwaukee. What an inning for him. Yeah, that was the second of two homers as the Red Sox scored nine times to beat the Brewers 12-5. Yoshida's become the first player to hit two home runs, including at least one grand slam in one inning since your friend, our friend, Edwin Encarnacion, did so with the Blue Jays July 26, 2013. He's only the fourth Red Sox player to hit multiple home runs in an inning, joining David Ortiz, Nomar, and Ellis Burks. Um... Now, he had not been pummeling the ball coming into that series. Nope. But, changed changed uh, his stance. Got an open stance Open his stance Trying a bit. to catch up to velocity. He's trying to get the ball me, in the air a little bit more. Explain to me the op- why the open why stance would make clear, a difference. He's trying to clear the hips. You know, the it, it, coming over here, that was the big thing, right? Does it translate when it comes to hitting homers, getting the ball in the air? How will velocity, how will you make up for that? I don't know about the open stance, right? That's... That's sort of you're trying to catch everything a little out in front, a little bit more not such bent arms when you make contact. You want to straighten them out a little bit more. That creates a little bit more loft in your barrel, which gets the ball in the air. Look, it's something they've drawn attention to because you gave him $90 million. Let's be honest about it. That's that's mm. why. I mean, he did have he does have 15 RBIs. He's sitting somewhere around 230, which is not awful, but he's just not getting the ball in the air. So. That's an interesting thing. Uh, it's uh, Is he a home run hitter? No. If he hits 17, 18 homers, drives in 50 to 60, is that a good year? Probably so, where he's hitting in the order. It's just, I think, because their team's not real good, and you paid this guy money that you didn't pay somebody else money, I think that's sort of why they're drawing attention to it, and now he's trying to make adjustments, and it'll be intriguing to see how it plays out. So what do we make of the Orioles? Now, <laughs> they completed... Three-game sweep of the Tigers. Okay, it's the Tigers. Uh, Adam Frazier scored in a wild pitch. 2-1 win. Uh, Baltimore's 14-7. They've won six games consecutive. Ten of their past 12. They've only had two better starts in team history since 1954. That was in 1966, where they went 16-5, and 1968, when they went 15-6. That was a great team in 68. That was the year the Orioles went on to win the their first World Series. Grayson uh, Rodriguez, keeping body and soul together. See what uh, Brandon Hyde has to say. Well, we only gave up one run, so um, 
really happy with how we pitched today. Faced, you know, and Rodriguez is seems to always give us trouble, and he's really, really good starter. He was so good today. Um, so fortunately, we got a Mountie got that hit. Um, but just a really well pitched game from both ends. I thought Grayson battled without his best stuff, honestly, and um, had a tough time for me finding his off-speed stuff early. But his fifth inning was his best inning by far from a stuff standpoint and command standpoint. Um, but he, he competed. Uh, I thought we played really well defensively behind him. Uh, McKenna makes a huge catch for us in right field there. Uh, but but uh, go five scoreless without your best stuff is pretty good. Yeah, and it was a terrific pitching duel. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez set down uh, the Orioles' first 20 batters. Uh, but again, uh, still scoreless game after seven innings because Grayson Rodriguez, the Orioles' yeah. number one prospect, and MLB Pipelines, I think is number five overall is, prospect, yeah. uh, struck out six over five scoreless innings. And, 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 and again, you heard, you heard Brandon Hyde, his he manager did. there. It, it wasn't overpowering, but yeah. Kevin, he... Yeah, let me... You, know, you read between the lines. Brandon, what I heard, said, thank goodness the Tigers stink. <laughs> exactly. And, ga- and gave Grayson a chance to figure out some things that he needs to figure out and be able to locate secondary pitches a little bit better. Look, look with the Orioles, I, you know, the, the last couple of games, you know, they're facing the A's, the White Sox, mm-hmm. the Nationals, the Tigers. It's not their fault, but that's who they're facing. That's why that 14-7 record, you take it as you want. The last five starts, the starters ERA is .29. I mean, I know it's the Nationals and the Tigers who stink, but we but kept... you still got to go out and add and subtract and get ahead and those right. kind of things. I will say this. You're hearing a ton of the Orioles in their clubhouse from Brandon. They're confident. Chemistry, there's a standard. Now, chemistry for me is the same as winning. When you're winning, it just is funny that a team all of a sudden has chemistry. But I think there's a different vibe around the Orioles, right? They're never out of a game. They feel it, whether we think, you know, they're serious or not, and we take them serious in the American League East, they believe it. And if they believe it, and they get some decent pitching, what do I talk about the Blue Jays all the time? If their starters are good, imagine how good this team can be. The mm-hmm. Orioles are no different. So, yeah, I think maybe it's – I'm not quite there yet, but maybe it's about time we start talking a little bit more serious things about the Orioles. Yeah, and we also have to say this. It's – Yes, the schedule has been easy for them right now. Take well. The schedule was easy for the Rays as well when they jumped off to that 13, or, or off to that, that, that start that they got off to. So, again, you can only beat, this sounds cliche-ish, but it's true, you can only beat the teams that are in front of you. And it is intriguing that even with the Rays' hot start, the team that's closest to them right now is the Orioles. Give the Orioles credit. Nobody thought you didn't. I th- thought you is, said standings didn't matter. Standings don't matter, but what does matter is the fact that you've got a team that had a historically hot start and is having a historically hot start, and nobody else in that division has buried so themselves. So it only matters that the Orioles are in second place. No, it's just That's what no, you're saying. No, all I'm saying is, and I'm not talking about the standings. I'm not talking about who's in second, third, or fourth, or fifth. I'm just saying nobody in that division has buried themselves, which is something. Which is something considering the start I think that the Rays got off to. Is super top heavy. Like you can tell, there's some atrocious teams. The Tigers don't know how to do cutoff relays. I mean, it's awful. Like I, I don't know where the Tigers are going. Like you, we saw them. You, you watch them on TV. It's, it's doesn't look like they're getting any mm. better. That's 
just it's a they're a tough watch. Hopefully they well, get better turning around. It's better for baseball if the Tigers are better. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays continued their hot run. Uh, Five consecutive wins. They haven't lost at home this year. Fifth series sweep of the season. They're 19 and three. It's the best 22 game start to a season in the major since 1987. We we know all this. We talked about this when they were in Toronto. Again, 13 and 0 Tropicana Field. That is the longest home winning streak in franchise history. The J uh, uh, the Rays got Zach Eflin back yesterday, returning from the injured list. But it was the offense again that I think. You know, you, you talk about with this team, Kevin. They, they've they've homered in all twenty all of their twenty two games this season. They've home think the Rays have homered in all their twenty two games this season. And yesterday, well, this happened. Ooh. And he shoots one high and deep to right and gone. Home run for Luke Rayleigh. Luke Rayleigh wasting no time. Jumps on the first pitch. His fourth home run of the year. And Dwayne, how about this? The Rays have homered in the first or second inning of every game. They've just taken the drama out of it. And now they're setting a new mark. How about that? Yeah, that was Luke Rayleigh, who hadn't homered. I guess he, I think he hit two in three days. Three and two days, sorry. He hit three in two days, April 3rd and 4th. He hadn't homered since then. Yep. So he gets part of that yesterday. The Rays go on to a 4-1 win. Uh, and we talked about Zach Eflin, their free agent signing. Back off the IL. Keep in yeah. mind that, that keep in mind that the Rays are doing this is one of their starting pitchers out, and another one already shut Beyond down because of Tommy whoever, John. Right? Uh, because of Tommy John surgery. And this is what Kevin Cash had to say after the game about Zach Eflin. Yeah, really nice, and it kind of worked out perfectly. We wanted to get him uh, at least four ups, potentially five. He was so efficient, and then when you kind of get the opportunity to get a win or leave with a win, you want to get, give it to him, and he was he got really efficient in the fifth inning. Uh, felt like a five or six pitch inning. I mean, Kevin, it's the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah, it's, re- it's real. This is beyond the, you know, their, 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 the quality of opponent right now, I think. Now, they got the Astros coming in, I believe, right? They have the Astros coming I in? I haven't checked. But look, look this, we, we talked about who's going to be the surprise for the Blue Jays in this season in the everyday players. Yandy Diaz had nine homers last year. All of last year, he's got six already. He's one of two guys on their team, him and Lau. Brandon Lau both Mm -hmm. have six homers. They have two guys with five homers. They have four guys with four homers. They have two guys with three homers. They have two guys with two homers. Point being is everybody's hitting homers. If you can do that against elite pitching, that's how you beat them because of the rotation you have, because of the bullpen you have, because of the way you play defense, because you have the smartest, one of the smarter managers in baseball. You have the cargo shorts who invented cargo shorts. Got, I, if they start hitting homers like this and continue to do it all season, they're going to be tough, Jeff. Houston is in for three games, and the Astros have, have had a lot of success against the Rays in recent years. Well, they've had a lot of success against everybody in recent years. So this will be an acid test for the uh, for the Rays. I'm just looking at the pitching matchups. Uh, Houston will send Jose Urquidy to the mound tonight against Taj Bradley. Tomorrow it will be uh, Garcia against Rasmussen. And in the series finale, the the Rays have not listed their starting pitcher yet, but it will be Hunter Brown uh, for the Astros. So they miss they miss from. But they got to keep winning. They got to keep winning. The last place team in the American League East is only seven and a half back, and they're nineteen and three. Yeah. So to say the American League East is legit and that much better than every other division is the understatement of the season. 
But how can you argue 19 and 3? They're doing everything. And I said this when they got off to the hot start. If they can continue to hit, and say Yandy Diaz has 20 homers, and Brandon Lau stays healthy all mm-hmm. year, and Wander Franco does things that they think he can do, now what are you talking about? The conversation around them has changed just because of that reason. It's that's again, that's why the American League East, and this is why I talk about the Blue Jays. Urgency is an understatement. Like, you got to start getting after some teams. I made fun of the where you're at in the standings in fourth place, but you got to keep winning series. You got to put pressure on the Rays to keep winning and, and hopefully make up some ground because of the way the American League East no, is. No, that, that, that is a fair point. And, you know, leaving the standings aside, um, you, you don't want to get buried. You and, don't. and it would have been, frankly, I. And I will throw Boston here, too. Boston, if I'm the Red Sox right now, I'm probably of all the teams in this division thinking it could have been a lot worse. Because I don't think anybody predicted Boston, with all their issues, would be game over 500. Now, interesting matchup this week. The Orioles and Red Sox will take on each other. So, uh, a key early series in the the AL East. Chris Sale's been better. I mean, he was better in his last yep. outing. He's throwing harder. He was locating with secondary pitches a little bit better. Tanner Houck was much better against the Twins. Pavetta needs to figure it out. Pavetta He's had an up and down season, out. right? He's, He's the big yacker guy. Yeah. That thing needs to be better. The location needs to be better. So Chris Sale, Houck, and Pavetta get better. They're going to be at least a tougher team to play, which is just adds to the allure of the and American it, League East. And and we'll, we'll wrap it up by uh, listening to Kyle Higashioka of the New York Yankees because there's – Kind of a lot of similarities in some way between the Yankees and 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 Jays, I yep. think, in terms of their lineup. They're a top-heavy lineup, sure. kind of piecing it together in the bottom of the order. Kyle Higashioka was asked about uh, this yesterday and also about Kevin Gossman. Let's hear what he had to say. I mean, this player is always tough. Um, you know, I think it's it looks just like his heater out of the hand. But, um, you know, I just... He's a good pitcher, and, you know, he had he had pretty good stuff today. It's just we couldn't capitalize on it. Yeah, uh, Higashioka also went on to talk a little bit about the, uh, about the, uh, just their lack of offense in general. Not, not an issue, uh, not a, not a crisis right now for the Yankees, but we talked about it, uh, yeah, they've got some. They've got to do some things in that yeah, the, lineup. The, to, to further to your point, the top four guys in their lineup were four, eight, twelve, sixteen, two for sixteen with an RBI. You yeah. can't do that against good teams, especially at home. With the way your lineup is at the bottom of, and it. As I good mean, the as, names at the bottom of your lineup are not very good. And as good as Anthony Volpe's been, as as exciting as he's been, that's a real pressure pressurized spot for a rookie. Uh, you could, you, know, you could almost say it takes pressure off of him, knowing that he's going to get a fastball and a fastball count. So you, you could almost simplify it because of who's standing on the on-deck circle. But I'm with you. There's three, a lot of pressure for him. You see how fast he is. He gets I was on base. Say, three, it's, it's three games elite, of watching so. him. Three games of watching him. It's elite. He's, like, he is if he can, else, if he can he? ever figure out just refining, he's got enough bat speed. You can tell you get the head out. You know, he he's that sort of hitter of, I take the fastball the other way, I pull the breaking ball. Like, there's not a... You know, it's not real overcomplicating things with his lower half. And I think the more at-bats he gets now, the question will be when they're fully healthy, will they leave him in the leadoff spot? And and the standings. Mm. If they if, they're, if they start falling behind more and have to make changes, that's when you might start to see him going to the bottom of the order. That puts more pressure like, will 
just be it'll be an intriguing thing to see because it is all about winning and it's all about the yeah. rotations fully healthy. They're one of the better teams in baseball. You're fighting to win a World Series. I mean, they will get they will get Harrison Bader back. Yeah, uh, where does he play into that? Stanton, as we said, I think Stanton. They're saying two months, aren't they? Six weeks, two months. I mean, at Josh Donaldson, who, who uh, does that matter? JD thing, I. So I they mean, got some might things a, to figure out. Might, might add a little. A big splash from them, you know, come trade deadline about the offensive side. Feels like you it might feels need to like, figure it out, right? It feels like they're feels like they're missing. This is going to be obvious no with Stanton question. gone, but it feels like even with Stanton, they could add something else to that lineup. You know, they're getting really. I mean, they're just getting really sucked down by guys like Aaron Hicks and things like that. They they uh, players like. That. I mean, they Jeff, really if are. you if you didn't have Rodon, Bader, Severino, Lewisica, Stanton on your team, just think if that was the Blue Jays. Yeah. Could you be? Four or five games above 500, probably not. So it's just a feather in their cap that they can actually do that. No, oh, by the way, Judge is off to that three for 25, having a little tough stretch. So they're going through some things. Uh, we're giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 590-590. Friday's question was, Former Blue Jays GM and current Braves boss Alex Anthopoulos traded away Roy Holiday to the Phillies in 2009. Which player acquired by Toronto in that deal currently plays for Atlanta? The answer was Travis Darno, who's really had himself a decent career for a guy that kind of, you know, I remember at one point the Jays, when the Jays had him, J.P. Ricciardi in their front office thought he might end up having to move to first base. Oh, J.P. Um, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Yankees down at the Rogers Center on May 15th. The question is, these two former Blue Jays threw perfect games as Yankees in 1998 and 1999. So again, these two former Blue Jays threw perfect games as Yankees in 1998 and 1999. Text the answer to 595-90 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 597 will be the first pitch tonight. The Jays and White Sox opening a three-game series at the Rogers Center. The pitching matchups are thus. Chris Bassett against Lance Lynn tonight. Tuesday, Jose Barrios against Mike Clevenger. And then Wednesday, and remember, this is a 107 first pitch, a matinee. You say Kikuchi on the mound against Michael Kopech. Lance Lynn's early season ERA is 759. Michael Kopech's is 697. Oof. And the White Sox were swept by the Rays. Of course they were. Over the weekend. Better play good against good teams. 7-15, fourth in the AL Central. Um, again, uh, did not see that coming. Well, maybe, maybe, it, maybe it wasn't just Tony La Russa. Maybe it wasn't just Tony La Russa's I mean, he didn't fault. help. He didn't help. But I'm with you. Again, I, I'll, I'll continue to say this. You could bring in the greatest mind in the history of baseball. If you don't have good players, it's going to be real tough who are living up to what they're supposed to be doing. It's interesting. The White Sox rotation, third most strikeouts this season, third most base on balls. They've racked up 108 and two-thirds innings pitched. That's the 15th most in the majors. They've also thrown the second most pitches. One of only two yeah, teams with 2,000 pitches thrown by their starters this season. The Padres are the bullpen's other. Bullpen not very good either. No, they're, they're it's not a very good team. They're being managed like a team that doesn't have a good bullpen. There you go. 
So if you are the Blue Jays, then knowing that's what you're seeing, what are you thinking? Baseball's what are you thinking tonight against very, Lance Lynn? Baseball's very individual, Jeff. You think Bo Bichette's going, oh, look at what they're doing. Look at their writ. Bo Bichette does not care. Bo Bichette knows that the league's made an adjustment are going away a little bit more than the Yankees didn't. Why they didn't is beyond me. But that's what he's thinking is how do I combat that and go out and have a better at bat and start getting the head out just a little bit more and maybe instead of hitting that down the right field line, hit that in the right center field gap. That's what he's thinking. He don't care about the whatever they're doing and how they're not having success. And you're not doing that. It's an individual game. How many good players you ever walked to, uh, to Jeff? You've been around forever. And they said, yeah, I remember. No, they walked 80 dudes and however many. They don't. They don't know that. It's an individual sport. Yeah, I, I just, I wondered if, if you know, you. Now I'm sure Pete Walker and, and John Snyder and every smart person that's trying to help the Blue Jays win a baseball game have broke it down and are giving every player stats that they need to be seeing because that's what they do, and it helps and to an extent. You do that. You say this is what he's not doing well. Look for this. Look for location. Try and not overthink it. Stay in a big part of the field. Let's get off to a hot start. We get a good start from Bassett. Play good defense. Don't beat ourselves. That's what good teams do. Be consistent all the time. I want to talk about this story a little bit because uh, it feels like it's probably a little uh, close to home. The uh, Pittsburgh Pirates have uh, called up a 33-year-old minor leaguer, uh, Drew Maggi. And um, he's called up from AA Altoona. This is Brian Reynolds winning the bereavement list. This is 10 years, a little more than 10 years after being drafted by the Pirates, Kevin, that Mm -hmm. uh, he is being called up. Uh, he's played 4,494 career minor league. I'm sorry, he's, a, he's logged 4,494 minor league plate appearances. He's never played in a major league game. He was called up by the Twins to the team's taxi squad in Toronto, September 18th, 2021. That was after Rob Refsnyder sustained an injury. Uh, he never played. But again, that was his call up after 11 years in the minors. He spent two days on the bench, was optioned to AAA. Um, and that uh, baseball has this thing called the phantom ball player, which is someone who's been in a major league roster, but has not actually played. I mean, the way the pirate season is going, this guy is going to win a, hit a game winning home run for him. He's going to walk it off. You just know that the pirates have one of those seasons, but I wanted to ask you about this as someone who played in the minors. Now you didn't have to wait long for your call up, but you probably have an idea what this guy is, yeah, is going to. And what, let me ask you this, Kevin. A lot of what would that say to you about the guy? If I just read that to you, said this guy's played this, had this many minor league plate appearances without being called up to the majors. What does that say that's to you? That's a great question. That's a great question. I'm not sure I can answer that. You, we, hopefully we get, we'll try and get him on and we can ask him that. I, I, you'd have to be some kind of person to be able to do this. I mean, he's in double A this year. That's what it said. Double, double A. a 33. Yeah, he's, he's riding a ton of, he's riding a ton of, ton of buses. Like you gotta be, you gotta be real mentally tough to know that the situation that you've been put in, the opportunities are going to be limited because of how many games you played at the minor league level, and you quite frankly haven't done a ton. So yeah, it's it's yeah yeah I don't know I've I've never really been in a situation like this, and I don't think a ton of people have. But there's going to be one of those moments where he takes a good long look in the mirror and says to himself, "It might be time." 
I mean, this might be the last raw here. I mean, they're doing him a solid. I don't even know if he's going to play. Will Why he would, play? I would imagine he would. I don't he think they want to. Yeah, they want to call him up and not have him play. I mean, would, really? Yeah, yeah, I'm at least have a pinch hit. Absolutely. The, the, Boy, he'll the say pirates? if he plays or not. Absolutely, you have. I mean, you're not going to bring him up. The. I mean, especially they, they especially after the they twins. They do have some chemistry going on their team, so. I mean, I don't think so you I want. Don't to, know. I don't think you want to bring him up I and mean, do I'm it. Sure, the twins seems like, seems like everybody's rooting for him. Which, if you don't, you you're not a good human. <laughs> like yeah, everybody should. He should be everybody's friend. He should pay for nothing. He should, yeah. So he should have as much fun as he possibly can while he's in the big leagues. And hopefully, I'm I'm with you. What hopefully, would, he gets a breaking ball, hits a home run, and walks it off. For a guy like Drew Maggi, though, you have to. I mean, I, I guess this is. This is what I was kind of getting at here. You've you've got to be, I hate saying a good dude because, you know, but I, I'm just thinking that I don't think an organization is going to keep a guy around that long at that age if he doesn't bring something to the table in terms of leadership or in terms of just being a good team guy. I mean, you got to fill a roster. At the minor league level. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that in a bad way. No, I I, Cause, cause I, I know you're not. I absolutely but, know you're not. But, but it's, but it, yeah. Like, kind. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather fill it with? I mean, there's not, how many prospects really are there? Really? Like, <laughs> seriously? Well, like, it's the Pirates. After, the Pirates have got after a lot after the most first of, five, let's be honest. The Pirates the have most five, of their prospects flip, up there. You're I, throwing I a bunch of names at a wall and picking them and, and laying them in a spot because you got to feel 30 of them. Or and 31 of them. I hope, he gets, I, ho- I hope he gets I to do play. too. I hope he walks and I bet, it off. I guarantee you Derek Shelton finds a way Derek to get Shelton him Derek Shelton is one of the better human beings on earth. And shout out to Derek Shelton, by the way, who got a contract extension Good out of this Pirates. Should. Absolutely. Start. I know I talked to him last year on the field about that. And, I mean, he's worked hard. He's taken some lumps. You like to see it from a good dude. He's a good dude. He's a good people person. Like, getting slapped in the face every single day because the organization you're in is not the easiest thing. Yeah. You got you to be in tune with who's making the calls. Good for them to give him that. And, He's earned it. You know, it also helps the division they're playing in. Uh, it's not his fault. Good for him. No, I, I'm not at all. It's not but his I'm fault saying, his owner won't spend any money. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's, it's the same thing with the Rays. You just beat who's in front of you on that day. And that's all, that's all you can do. Uh, the Jays, by the way, go into Pittsburgh. I believe the next road trip is Pittsburgh. Well, I mean, look, the 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 separation between the Jays and Pittsburgh are they'll big, be good. big. It'll be a they'll be big. A, they'll, there will be a there'll be a ton of Blue Jays fans. You go, down you there go too. in there and you re, you you do what you're supposed to yeah. do if you're the Jays. Uh, Jason Benetti is the Chicago White Sox. Let me rephrase that. Yeah, that's what we've got next. I'm sorry, I fell asleep there. Jason Benetti is the White Sox TV <laughs> play-by-play voice. He's also one of Fox Sports' baseball oh, yeah, voices. We talked about the White Sox, 7-15 and 15 yeah, they're not great. on the season, fourth in the AL Central. They still got, I mean, I look at this. They still got Luis uh, Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Andrew some, Vaughn. I mean, God, not there's some talent up to there. It. There's a lot of it. There's some talent there. There's Absolutely. been talent there for four years. There's been talent there for four years. We'll find out what's up with the White Sox. Jason Benetti joins us next. And we'll go to the back leg line, 416-413-3959. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I hit the mic on button. There we are. We'll take questions or comments for Kevin Barker in the back leg line, 416-413-3959. So get him in if you haven't already got him in. And uh, Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk after. Don't look at me like that. You know the schedule. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk tonight after the Jays' first game of the three-game series against the Chicago White Sox at the Rogers Center. Chris Bassett on the mound for the Blue Jays. Lance Lynn for the White Sox. The White Sox, 7-15 in the season, which from where we stand, or more accurately sit right now, has puzzled the hell out of both of us. <laughs> Let's bring in Jason Benetti. He's a White Sox TV play-by-play voice. He's also Fox Sports baseball He's voice. Great too. And one of our favorite people. Jason, he thanks is. so much for joining Kevin and myself. Uh, we trust you're doing well. Uh, yeah, 7-15. and 15. I would be lying if I said I've been following the White Sox in great detail this year, but uh, it's not what I expected. Yeah, so I promise to unpuzzle you guys. There you go. If we'll you it. are willing to unpuzzle me on one thing, yes. uh, I, I was just watching, I did a little bit of a rabbit hole this morning on the opening of Rogers Center, then Skydome, and I was watching on YouTube the opening ceremony with Alan Thicke and Andrea Martin. Do either of you, have you ever seen... The, the two-hour special they put on television for the opening of the stadium? I have not seen the two-hour special. I'm aware of it. I was aware that they were involved, but I have not seen the special. No. Oh, it is special. It is very special. Uh, so the sportscaster, Brian Williams, is in a helicopter to open the show, and then there are these credits, and then there's like a dance routine. I, it is it is one of the most puzzling, entertaining things I've ever seen, and I just wanted to say, uh, if, if either of you have seen it, uh, please share with me what was happening that night. And if you haven't, please go watch it. Yeah, That's no, all I've got for you on that subject. I'm sure that uh, uh, 90% of the people in Toronto were still trying to figure out how it was going to affect their taxes. That's generally. <laughs> right. And right. I know, I know, I know those, those of us who are living in Montreal and who spent 49 years paying off the Olympic Stadium debt probably just nodded and said, yeah, you wait. You enjoy it right now. Dance to your little heart's content right now. Wait till the bill comes. You'll be dancing all right. You'll be dancing down to the bank to take loans out because you're in. No, I mean it was. Yeah, it, it was awesome. a. It was a pretty special. Uh, it was a pretty special event, I'm sure, for the city. But I'd be lying if I said. Uh, I mean, at that that age, I don't even want to know what I was doing at that age. At, at that in that year, I have somebody's a... got to pay for all those bow ties and batons and everything. <laughs> that stage was large. Somebody's got to pay for it. I don't know. I was just watching it anyway. Uh, I, uh, with the White Sox, yes, uh, seven seven and fifteen is not what we expected. Not what any of the coaching staff expected. I will say first of all, Pedro Griffol, first time manager, is a really perceptive guy. He's a really sharp guy. This does not fall on his shoulders. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you get those anomalies early in the season. So we don't think this White Sox team is a 7-15 and 15 type bunch. The, the thing we knew coming into this season, guys, is if the White Sox stayed healthy, they'd be highly competitive. If they didn't, there are some depth issues. The minor leagues, uh, you know, I wouldn't say got raided to create some of this core, but a lot of the depth in the minor leagues is now in the major leagues. And so you end up with, 
injuries early in the season, and we knew that that would be the one thing that could really sink this team. If they were fully intact, you'd be really happy, I think, with the result as a Sox fan. But Yohan Moncada getting injured, Tim Anderson getting injured, Liam Hendricks dealing with non-Hodgkin lymphoma, so he's not there to close the game. And, you know, we've seen the Rays walk off the Sox bullpen twice over the weekend, including one in total out-of-the-blue comeback fashion on Friday. So part of this is the injuries, and the Blue Jays will see a White Sox team still not fully healthy this week. But there is some danger in the lineup. Uh, Jake Berger, who's not a rookie anymore but hasn't played a ton of baseball in the majors, is killing the ball, a dangerous home run hitter. Eloy Jimenez looked like he just got on track, hitting a homer in back-to-back days in Tampa Bay. So uh, it is a dangerous team. So it doesn't feel like a 7-15 and team. But there have been questions uh, in the bullpen at points. The starters have not given a lot of length either. And the home run number still isn't what we'd expect it to be. I was going to ask, do you think that maybe, and I understand this may be an, un, frankly, this may be an unfair question to ask you, but, you know, I think a lot of us thought, and I'm putting my hand up here, a lot of us thought, okay, once Tony LaRusse is out of the picture, mm-hmm. things are going to clear up. I, I admit that was my, I was in that camp, that once once Tony's gone, okay, that things are going to be righted and, you know, the White Sox are going to go on and take advantage of, I mean, gosh, I thought they had a four or five year window of opportunity staring them in the face. Was that, was Tony maybe a little too much of a scapegoat for some of us? I think I talked to you guys right around the time last year when when he had walked somebody uh, intentionally on one and two. And I do think the strategic element wasn't exactly what you'd expect as a viewer in a lot of ways. To me, the biggest culprit in this start, I think Pedro is the perfect guy for this job. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I don't real, you know, I, Tony was what he was. He was a tremendous manager back in the day. He's a hall of famer and he deserves all that credit. I will just say, I think Pedro is the perfect person for this job, but I will say one of the biggest sneaky culprits of this seven and 15 start is that there are not 19 games against Kansas city and Detroit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that team finished 81 and 81 last year. And you guys know, and Kevin, I know you played in situations like this. Sometimes you're not playing great baseball, Mm -hmm. but when a team comes in that you feel like you can beat, you're transformed a little bit confidence wise. Sure. Sure. Uh, Or you just face a starter that gets your bats hot. Right. And, and when you're facing Tampa Bay, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, the Phillies have been in there. Baltimore has been in there. A hot Pirates team that's playing really good baseball. The Sox open with the Astros. You don't get that um, possible oasis. And it's nothing against those two franchises. They just have not played great baseball the last couple of years. And it was a little bit of an opportunity to feel like the favorites in a series. You're not going to get as many of those this year. It's down to 12 from 19 or 20. And so you're losing. We have not seen Kansas City or Detroit at all so far this year. We haven't seen Cleveland either. And so I think that's part of it is you don't have sort of the opportunity to feel like a favorite. Yeah, the vacation's over. But, Jason, i got to ask you, that the White Sox as a pitching staff have allowed the third most walks in baseball. How do you fix that? Yeah, I think it's it's honestly, I know you face guys who have really good stuff, but don't throw you strikes. Sure. 
And you can see it. I know you can see it on the mound that you're like, oh, they're good. They might even be better than me, but they don't trust their stuff. And I think it's in part, we just saw it with Michael Kopech on Saturday with, uh, on Friday, I should say, with the White Sox. He gave up four runs in the first inning, and he came out on the mound the second inning, and he was throwing harder, and he was throwing more strikes. And he's got really good stuff. He throws in the high 90s. He's got a very good slider. He can pitch in the major league level. He was just not pitching aggressively. And that's happened with Dylan Cease at times, who was a Cy Young runner-up last year. So I think, you know, it's all individual, but I think the overarching thing that you would say about the White Sox staff is trust your stuff, man. Now, I, I also think that th- this has to be said as well. They are without Tim Anderson right now. And as you mentioned, our, our friend right. Liam Hendricks, who we were, we were happy to hear, appears to, have, mm-hmm. appears to be positioning himself for, for return. Um, yeah. those, are two, those are two big holes, aren't Huge. they? Just in the clubhouse, and, but also in the lineup and in the bullpen as well. Yeah, I mean, you guys know Liam. He's one of the greatest guys in baseball. He is. Uh, yep. He's got a tremendous personality. He, he and his wife, Christy, immediately are members of the community, and they love doing it. They're just they're great people. And Liam is an absolute bulldog on the mound. He's a bad dude when he's pitching mm-hmm. in the ninth inning. And, you know, we've seen Reynaldo Lopez try to acclimate himself to the closer's role, and he's had a little success, but he also gave up a walk-off the other day, and it's a big hole. And, you know, Tim Anderson, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but the Sox are distinctly under 500 in 2020 when he's not in the lineup and distinctly over 500 when he is. Mm-hmm. He's that kind of player that flips your fortune. Mm-hmm. And with the start Moncada had had at third base, he was hitting the ball pretty well. Uh, losing him is, a, is painful, and they lost Eloy Jimenez for an IL since already. So with the shuttling in and out of the lineup, it is, that is part of this. But we also knew it, it's not a blindside. Because we knew that depth-wise, the White Sox are not the Dodgers or the Mets in that way, where they just, like, grab somebody from AAA, and there's James Outman, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Jason, give us somebody to, to tune into. Is there one guy that you say, man, you got to watch this dude. He's pretty good. You know, Jake Berger has been hitting the ball hard, so that's, like, the loud answer. He, I mean, he's hit a ball 118 twice this year. Wow. And so, in terms of just sheer power, he's that kind of guy. But I think the guy you'll love to watch most in terms of his approach is Andrew Vaughn. He's in his mm-hmm. third year uh, in Major League Baseball. He is one of those guys who fixes stuff in-game. He's a pro hitter already. He's a very intelligent guy. He won the Golden Spikes at Cal. He's a really strong first baseman who had been playing in the outfield last year because of Jose Abreu. So I think as somebody who studies and watches hitting, I think the answer is Andrew Vaughn. For somebody who likes fireworks, it's Jake Berger. Give me a scouting report on Lance Lynn. Yeah, all sorts of versions of fastballs. And the one thing that has changed a little bit this year in terms of just the sheer metrics is his cutter's been getting hit. It's just not been the same two-strike, start a strike, go to ball, strike three pitch to a right-handed hitter as we've seen so far this season. So Lance is going to throw a ton of different versions of a fastball. He's going to tunnel like guys do, and he's going to try to get you out pretty early in counts too. He's a strike thrower still, but the one thing that I would watch tonight is, is his cutter getting hit? Good one. Uh, last question before we let you run. You have had a chance to see the Rays up close. We got a chance to see them earlier. Uh, 
they're just, I mean, they're, un, well, obviously, they're 19 to 3. They're unstoppable, aren't they? Yeah, uh, Shane McClanahan's changeup needs a Ouija board. Or an <laughs> yeah. extra I, uh, That's great. I don't know what the deal is with that thing. That moves like no pitch I've seen in a long, long time, like a Johan Santana type yeah, of changeup, right. but with different types of movement. They also hit more homers than you would expect by the names in the lineup. But I, I, Yandy, what Yandy Diaz has done to hit the ball in the air so nice. much more and still keep his ability, like the cool thing about him is in that ninth inning on Friday, they needed a base runner. They were down a run, Beth and Gordon homered. It was 7-6. Yandy Diaz on two strikes, and you know, he did six moms this year. On two strikes, he smacks the ball into the ground, and you know how that infield runs, mm -hmm. and it ran past the second baseman. Brandon Lau comes up, hits a two-run homer. They're doing everything right right now. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, yeah they are, uh, they're getting some breaks along the way, too. Even mm -hmm. though they've had injuries, uh, they, are, they are getting some breaks. Jason, really good of you to join yeah, us today. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, buddy. Hey, I'm just good to glad to hear from my broadcast partner once, Kevin Parker. Yes, I love it. Hopefully we get to do it again, sir. Fingers crossed. Uh, that would be great. Hey, hey, I enjoy coming on with you guys all the time. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Jason. Good be luck. Well. Jason Benetti. He's the best. He is. Terrific. Spectacularly good. Yeah, he had the game in Pittsburgh with you and uh, Whirly Bird, right? Tremendous. Yeah, it's tremendous. Yeah, he, Bob he, Locks, sir. I call him Whirly Bird. He's so, he's so easy to just be around, and he's a cool dude, and he knows baseball, and just sort of, you know, the best ones sort of soft toss it, kind of get out of the way, and then they just sort of fill in the blanks when you don't say enough. And that's that's Jason to a T. 416-413-3959 is the back league line. We have questions, you Kevin Barker. It. We have questions. We have comments. We've got questions for sure. Kevin and Brampton has a question. Great thing. I just want to know, Brampton's do you have more confidence in the starters doing their job or this lineup? I mean, the starters the last few days have just the quality start that each of them have in the last outing, and I'm really feeling more confident in the starting their starting rotation than the actual lineup actually scoring runs every day. Thanks, love the show. That's a great question, Thanks, Kevin. Kevin. That, that is a that's the million dollar question. Now my buddy over here has already hung his hat on that the rotation has solidified itself, and you'll never have to ever worry about them having another oh, bad start oh, again. Oh, so we sort of we sort of I mean, I Captain mean, I never Obvious said over you're here. never going to have to we, worry about not we. I never no way. You. So I will. I. So this is what I, I think there's some. I think there. I think there is some unknowns four through nine. Well, in the, in, gee whiz. In, in, in the lineup. That's a big deal. Every, every yeah, day. That is guy, a big deal. Every that's, day, absolutely. Every day guys are a big deal. That's especially two thirds when you're of your lineup. Meet, that's a big deal. Especially when you're hitting in the meat of the order. And you got to get it done. I'm, I mean, I'm, and I said this to start <laughs> the season. You. What did I say? I said Varsho could go two ways. He could hit twenty and hit two forty. He could hit two fifteen and hit fourteen. I still think that. So I'm not going to change my mind now. I think it's a lot to ask him putting him in a cleanup spot. So Kevin, that is a tremendous question. I will, I will go, at least for now, with the lineup. You have more confidence in the lineup. He said confidence or concerns. Thought he said confidence. concerns. He said confidence. Oh, I'm okay. I'll go with the rotation. I'm going to go with the rotation so with you. So you basically spent all that time crapping on me. And, I and, did. And I did. Well, and, it's easier to crap on you. Well, it is. <laughs> but you basically. Yeah. I just said it in a different way than you did. I mean, really. 
The lineup's going to be good, too, I think. Just may not be great. Does it make me a bad person that I'm yes. not particular? Does it make me a bad person Absolutely. that I'm not particularly worried about anything with this team right now? Because uh, they're the I'm way, just not. I, I think when you see them play good teams, the way they play because of the way they pitch. Absolutely, you know, their rotation's really good. You, you know what? 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 Sort it of, really is. Yeah. The, I mean, I look at things on balance here. Where we are right now compared to what where we were coming out of spring training. I had some, we all had some concerns. But that's a we all had some concerns about the rotation because of what we saw out of uh, Alec Manoa in the spring and out of his early starts and because we just didn't know what we were going to get out of Brios or Kikuchi. And I, I've said, they can handle, they can handle one of Brios and Kikuchi being an issue. That's okay. They can't handle two of them being an issue. Well, so far that hasn't happened. Yeah. The bullpen I'm with you in that I'd like to see another I'd like to see another couple of arms. I'd like to see that no-brainer. To me, that might be something you get at the trade deadline. But I'm intrigued. Eric Swanson has intrigued me enough that see a no-brainer. Gonna match up the split, uh, the split finger. You know what? Is that a no-brainer to you? On, on this in this bullpen, he might be the well, no, he's not. <laughs> I was trying to talk myself into saying, You're trying to but, say but it the nicely. point is, uh, I I am reasonably content with what Eric Swanson brings to the table, and I still yeah, I, like I still like too. Jimmy Garcia. I do too. That's fine. Uh, the lineup, I didn't think they had a cleanup hitter, uh, but the, it. I would be concerned if Vladdy wasn't hitting the ball hard. Uh, I would be concerned if I. I I'd like to see a little more out of Varsho, but it's kind of it's it's kind of what I thought I'd get. Mm. Nothing in the lineup really surprised me. The runners in scoring position, I don't know what to make of that because again, they 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 like didn't hit they didn't hit on. with runners in scoring position last year as Already well early in the year. So I have a hard time sitting here saying I'm really concerned about anything, but I do have more right now. I, I have that, more I confidence in the rotation. Well, that was that's the question. Not worries. Uh, Travis in Saskatoon, very quickly. Travis. Kevin, I was just wondering if you could comment on the Blue Jays at bats with the runners in scoring position and with two outs. Mm -hmm. um, would you like to see them have maybe a different approach at the plate? Are they being too conservative? Would you like them to be a little bit more aggressive when there's running in scoring, runners in scoring position? I'm just thinking back to the Garrett Cole game. Vladdy hits the double in the first inning. You guys you got guys at second and third, one out. I mean, Chapman goes down looking, but two pitches right on the corner. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to tip your cap. Yep. Although I'd still rather see a guy go down swinging at least. But then Varsho Fair. takes two fastballs middle in mm -hmm. and then swings at a high fastball to strike out. So I'm just wondering if you'd like to see them be a little bit more aggressive maybe with runners in scoring position. I would love to see that. Yeah, that, that you think aggressiveness I, is a key? I, within your zone. It has to be a good pitch. I always used to look middle away and thought about hitting a backspin homer to left center field. That was my thought early in the count. I didn't want to get to two strikes. I didn't want to get the elevated fastball. I didn't want to get any of that. I thought the sooner I was in and out of there, the better off I was going to be, the more success I would have. They take way too many pitches. Y'all know why that is? They guess a lot. It's why you see a lot of pitches, especially with two strikes, they take that are right down the middle. They're guessing. That's sort of the thing in 2023 because of how much they see the breaking ball that they think they have to guess.
to hit the breaking ball when I think that's backwards, especially if you want to be a run producer. Now, early in the season, Kirky's had some at-bats with two outs with runners in scoring position. Varsho, uh, Merrifield, like they've had – Jansen have had some at-bats with – that's why I said a lot of this is luck. you got to have the right guy up at the right time. Catch fire, everything else will sort of fall in place. I love what you were doing with your hands there. That was great, that little whirly, whirly gig motion. That's it for us today. Uh, Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk all week long following the Blue Jays games against the White Sox and the Seattle Mariners. We'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360. If you're listening via podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe.